Welcome everyone to this episode of CBT Talks. Today I'm sitting down with Christy Macris, a board member and woman extraordinaire of CBT. Uh, she does basically anything that absolutely needs to be done, which is the definition of a servant's heart. So we're going to hear about her and her story. Stay tuned. <music> Well, I am excited uh, to do this interview. Do you want to know why I'm excited to do why this interview? Why are you excited to do I'm, the interview, Jake? I'm excited to do the interview uh, because you are here in the studio, and people don't realize how nerve-wracking it is to be like on camera with the microphone. So now that you're here, and I know that you're a little nervous about the interview, I get, I get to have so much fun with it. I'm uh, so excited that you can have fun at my expense. You know what? That's that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, now, for those of you who are wondering, like, well, where's Joel? How come y'all don't have, like, three people in this interview? The reason why we don't have Joel here uh, is because right now he is standing behind the camera that's making right. funny faces at us, trying to distract us. And we only have two microphones. So we only have two there's microphones. There's no room for Joel. Well, you know, basically we said, Joel, uh, we don't need you for this episode. We, that's You know, right. we, you talk enough as it is. Uh, <laughs> But, but Christy, for those who don't know uh, who you are, you are on the board of CBT, That's right? right. That's right. But you, you don't get paid or anything. You've just devoted years of your life to this Bible literacy I do movement. not get paid, but Joel did give me a 100% raise this year of zero. There so you go. So I am See. paid double what yes. Joel is paid. <laughs> I tell you, if you, if, um, if you are a volunteer uh, with a zero dollar salary um you know you're inflation proof uh it's you have crazy. Those, the standard yes. of living you know taxes are really easy that's right <laughs> you don't have anything to file that's but that's what i keep saying but here's here's the thing because you have devoted yourself to this and uh because you're like you're on the board you're involved in so many projects the question comes to mind why so what I, I want to do just to, just to introduce you uh, to our audience is can you just tell us what is your story like, you don't have to start from birth, but what is your story? And then we want to get into, like, how you got introduced to CBT and basically how did you become the woman that you are today? So, Absolutely. I would love to tell you that story. And um, why I am involved with CBT is because the ministry has done so much for me. It's been transformative in my own life. And every day I get up thinking about how can I share this transformative process with other people. So um, I was so fortunate to grow up in a Christian home with two very loving, supporting family, a brother, uh, parents, excuse me, and brother and sister, mm -hmm. um, and was raised in the church and attended church my whole life and mm -hmm. accepted Christ in Sunday school when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. And um, I have proof of that in the back of my children's Bible. So I know it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I signed my name and put some Hello Kitty stickers on there. Mm -hmm. um, so that was an important moment in my young childhood. But <clears throat> I would say my life didn't really change. Mm -hmm. I think it was more of like a you know, fire insurance yeah. type of thing. I kept hearing the same message over and over again. It's like, I got to do that. Um, but I know that God was at work even in that, um, mm -hmm. through the environment that I grew up in, the church that I was involved in, um, that profession that I had genuinely asked for uh, early on, that profession of faith. And mm -hmm. um, then I just kind of started living my life, you know, as I was an adolescent into a mm -hmm. teenager, really thought I had it all figured out. You know, God was kind of there on the sideline, mm -hmm. but not a focal point in my life. I went to college, made a lot of really terrible decisions, and um, just tried to live life the way that I wanted to live it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with faithful praying parents and grandparents behind me, uh, fortunately, just through a series of events, when I was 28 years old, I recognized that God had given me such a gift of a godly family, mm -hmm. and I was the weak link in the chain. Mm -hmm. I was not connecting that those past generations with what now are future generations of my family and just felt deeply convicted about that, mm -hmm. um, confessed that to the Lord. And for the first time, I just understood what Christ did on the cross for me and that I wanted to live the rest of my life 
in gratitude for that. Mm. And so I lived in Memphis at the time. My parents live in Arkansas and did at that time. So as I talked to my parents about it, which was a real blessing to have parents to be able to talk to about those things. And um, she sent me back to Memphis with a Bible study book and a lot of prayer. (laughs) And I came back to Memphis Decided I was going to start a daily quiet time. The very next morning, I got up at uh, early in the morning, five, six in the morning, mm-hmm. and sat on my balcony of my apartment, opened the Bible study book, had very little knowledge of what I was yeah. doing, mm-hmm. and a lady walked by, and she said, hey, what are you doing up there? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm doing a Bible study, <laughs> which was crazy for mm-hmm. me, and... um she said, I've been praying about doing a Bible study. Let's do it together. And I mm. thought, okay. I mean, that the Lord answered my mom's prayer that a godly influence mm-hmm. would come into my life. And that really started a series of about five influential women in my life over mm. the next 20 years that shaped me and molded me and mm-hmm. um, just made an investment in my life that I will always be grateful for. They came at different times of my spiritual yep. growth, different mm-hmm. times of my family life. Um, each one of them were so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you ask why I do things with CBT. I want to be that woman for younger generations mm-hmm. or even peers because what I'm seeing out there is that, um, you know, it's not just the younger generation that needs to be brought up. Yep. It's my peers. I even had a group that I led through the discipleship materials that were in their 70s. Mm. So they're 20 years older than me, yeah. but their light bulbs were going on and off, mm. <laughs> you know, all the time. And now that whole group, they are all discipling other yep. women. So um, that is really my passion. Mm-hmm. That's my story. My um, encounter with CBT came before it was ever known as CBT. Mm-hmm. And it was just Iva. Yeah. And she had this powerful discipleship material that she had actually shared with my mom. Mm-hmm. I think Stan shared that story on a different episode. Yeah. Uh, but she, sh- she shared that discipleship material with my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom said, I really want you to meet my daughter. Iva and I had lunch at the end of 2007 and -hmm. within a week I had her at my house with a group discipling a group Mm -hmm. of my friends and I. Now before we get into the specifics just to go back and and highlight a few things from your story um, I think it's so important to note that your story just like so many others is you know you have that salvation experience but oftentimes people think that that's the end goal and so Mm -hmm. it's like well once you get saved what's next what do you do and and when we don't have a a plan for what's next um well you just end up doing the exact same thing you did before you were ever saved so you know that salvation story when you were nine years old Mm -hmm. um and fast forward to you were 28 right and your spiritual development like you didn't really grow a whole lot not at all (laughs) if you can regress i did that (laughs) regress You knew less than you did when that's you were not. Right. Yeah, but, that's right. But that's true. There's so many people that that go through life thinking, you know, I I think you called it your your fire insurance. And, that's right. You know, uh, I when uh, when I was growing up, they they would call it, you know, you need to get your heaven card. It's your admission <laughs> ticket. And oh, so it's like, well, once you're saved, you have yeah. your fire insurance. That's you got right. your admission ticket. So then it's like, well, then I'm good. I don't have to worry about growing in God's word because if I'm saved and I believe in, you know, once saved, always saved, then it's like, That's I don't right. have to worry about anything else. So, you know, I, I just wanted to highlight that because I think there's so many people with that exact same story. And it's also, awesome. you know, one way I share my testimony, mm-hmm. um, I used to work for fellowship of Christian athletes and did mm-hmm. girls ministry for a while, um, in the high schools. Mm-hmm. And I shared it, likening it to a tailgate in a football yeah. game that my parents offered me this ticket when yeah. I was young, you know, and they said, this is where the game is, and this is your seat, and your family is waiting for you there. And mm. what did I do? I got stuck in the tailgate. I just mm. stayed outside the stadium, enjoyed all the things and the luxuries that that yeah. provided and the comfort, and I could hear the roar of the crowd in the background, but I was never engaged in what was going on inside of the stadium. Mm. And then a friend of mine invited me to come sit with her, and I went into the stadium with her, yeah. realized that I had a ticket mm-hmm. on the front row, mm-hmm. 
yeah. and went down, joined my family. Mm. And um, at that point, I was really satisfied with just watching the game, yeah. you know, just mm-hmm. like, this is great. And then one day in 2007, a friend of mine, Iva, mm-hmm. reached her hand over the wall and said, why don't you come down on the field? Mm. I'll show you the playbook. I'll introduce you to the coach. Yeah. You can know him. He wants to know you. And you can be on the field and be part mm. of the game. And I never realized that by standing out in the tailgate, I was missing mm. the best part. I was having fun out there, yeah. you know, but the best part was going on inside of the stadium. So I appreciate the ad- admission ticket idea yes, because that resonates with me for sure. Well, you know, that might be my new favorite uh, analogy for – for that like salvation discipleship experience of like you know tailgating outside and then you get in the stadium but then eventually you want to get on the field you want right. to be you want to be a player yeah um that is uh that that that's just great see this, this the, is why I love asking follow up you know, questions the, um the whole idea I think one of the saddest places mm-hmm. in my Christian walk mm-hmm. was it was after I was 28 years old I was mm-hmm. doing bible study after bible study um, I was praying. I was attending church. I was doing all the things that a Christian should be doing. But I had just resigned myself to being satisfied mm-hmm. to watch other people walk with God. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, watch an Ingram Lotz video or, you know, other celebrity authors at the time and think, yeah. man, her relationship with God is so vibrant and so real. I cannot wait to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. And cheer <laughs> and cheer and rejoice in God's relationship with you. But I could never have that. And I, I can't believe I never knew that I could have that myself. Mm-hmm. Well, so. you know, I think I think a lot of people get to get to that stage where they realize like they they need to go deeper. They need to learn more. They need to start doing Bible studies. They need to listen uh, to other teachers. But very few people make that transition of. I'm going to stop being just a spectator and a supporter right. of others. And like, I am going to try and be a disciple who makes disciples. I, and they don't know how. Yeah. I mean, I think so, we've made it so hard. And that mm-hmm. uh, in CBT, we call it kind of the Bible study junkie mentality. Yes. Of just you, it's like, what are we doing next? What are we mm-hmm. doing next? What are we doing next? And the health in CBT comes that you know, at least in the case when I do Mm -hmm. discipleship groups, my group ends. Mm. And then as a gift to them, I give them that two hours back and say, what are you going to do with the two hours that you've Mm -hmm. given me for the past couple of years? How are you going to take that and use it in the Mm. life of another? Invest in other people what has been invested in you. Now, you've mentioned a little bit about uh, Iva giving that calling. Mm -hmm. Um, But can you go into more detail of like, how did you... Uh, how would you describe like how you went from I am a Bible study attender mm-hmm. to I want to be I want to be a discipler, uh, you know who who disciples others to to do more things. Absolutely. Like, how do you make that transition? Because I think a lot of people would love to make that transition, but like you said, they don't know how. Right. So I think there's a couple of key ingredients. Mm-hmm. One is it's a walk of faith. You will never feel equipped. You will never feel that you know exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You, if you wait till you have all the answers to all the questions that you can possibly imagine or think of or that mm-hmm. other people could think of, you will be paralyzed. Mm. Um, and you will never get off of that stepping stone. You will never step out and take that step of faith that you know God says, come to me and mm-hmm. teach me. I'm humble and gentle in heart. I yeah. will teach you you know, Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, trusting that God through the power of the Holy spirit will teach us if we just put in some effort. Mm -hmm. So I think it really is a face step. Um, every single time a woman who's been in my discipleship group takes that step and decides to start a group of her own, we have dozens of phone calls before the group ever even starts of Mm -hmm. Christy, I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I'm like, I know, but pray about it and trust that the Lord Mm -hmm. will give you what you need because you're getting ready to accelerate your growth in a way that you had no idea was possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first ingredient really is a step of faith. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard. Um, We aren't equipped, but the Lord gives us um, all of those 
things and that knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. if we will put in a little bit of effort. Um, and then the second ingredient is good discipleship material that mm. is reproducible. Um, so I did lots of video-led Bible studies with um, really cool-looking workbooks and all yeah. that stuff. I can't do that. I'm not a celebrity Bible mm-hmm. person. I have no platform. This is the biggest platform I've ever had. <laughs> um, so all six people. <laughs> no, I'm mm-hmm. kidding. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, you know, I don't have that. I can't format and produce Bible study material. Mm-hmm. I don't have a graphic designer to do a cover. Mm-hmm. But I can take the CBT material, read the text, answer the questions, and promote discussion amongst the group. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that's the beauty of this material is that anybody can take it and use it and reproduce disciples in that context. Uh, specifically, what, what material are you referring to? Because if someone just hears the material, right. they're going to go to the website and they're going to hit store and they're yes. going to see a list and they're going to be like, uh. Absolutely. So I've, uh, I've a, at the time in 2007, there was only one resource <laughs> and it was Women, Worldview, and the Word. And mm-hmm. it takes people through the Bible chronologically, pulling stories out from each one of the 14 eras in order to highlight understanding about who God is, mm-hmm. um, you know, what we can know about our human hearts, mm-hmm. um, what sin does to a culture and mm-hmm. a family and a nation, um, and, uh, and how, how God uses messy and broken people to, you know, just to uh, make his purpose and his plan known. Mm-hmm. So um, that was what I started with. That It's near and dear to my heart. Ivan and I actually disagree about how to get started into CBT because <laughs> mine is W3 just because it was so, it was to just have such an impact in my mm-hmm. life. Um, but there, there's quite a bit of material that's available. Mm-hmm. There is a, a version for students, although I would say, you know, we're all students. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not just for, it's not geared toward like a cool new fangled way of something. It's mm-hmm. just for those who are students of the Bible, it's a great resource. There's mm-hmm. a men's resource. Um, but one of the most powerful things that I did outside of that discussion group was to read through the one-year chronological Bible mm. and um, the resources that we have available on our website that are both free and printed um, for purchase, it just takes you through that daily reading mm-hmm. because once you begin to read your Bible, one, chronologically, mm-hmm. it just made so much more sense to me. I remember kind of feeling betrayed thinking, why has no one ever taught me this before? Yeah. I do not, like of all the ways that you could teach the Bible, i think we've probably picked the hardest way to do it. And um, it's like starting a chemistry class and at the end of the book, Mm -hmm. you know, and then folding other things Mm -hmm. into it. So, Well, uh, before we dive into it, because I do mm want to spend some time talking about that chronological approach Mm -hmm. and why, you know, because CBD is chronological Bible teaching. So before we get into uh, that chronological approach, just to clarify on some of these resources, because... I don't want it to seem like, you know, we're plugging specific resources and we're like, don't buy that celebrity uh, teacher stuff, buy our teaching stuff, even though we're not right. celebrities. So specifically, like what makes you think that the CBT material is is reproducible? Like what what makes you think that like when, when you teach it and do it for a class, it's not like, okay, we're done, we got to go get something else. But mm-hmm. it's like those people that have went through it can now do that same kind of teaching to, to other people. Right. And then also, like, how does that material make it, uh, or attempts to make it easy for someone to go from a Bible study attender to a Bible study uh, teacher, like a disciple maker? So, you know, instead of just saying it's good material, like, what specifically makes it good? Why was it the one that you're like, this is amazing, this is what I want to be teaching right. for 10 years? Right. Um, and... I'm excited to talk about the chronological part because that actually is one of the things about it that Mm -hmm. is so amazing. But I think for um, me, what I see is it's a method. Mm -hmm. And that method can be deployed on any portion of Scripture. Mm -hmm. As you read the, the story, as you read the text, 
and you learn to ask good questions of the text, you Mm -hmm. can gain understanding for yourself. So I think that's such an important thing because back to my celebrity Bible junkie mentality is I thought I had to wait for them to lead or guide me through gaining understanding. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really my own understanding. It was their understanding that they communicated so well to me. Mm -hmm. So I spent so much of my life just like grabbing onto their truths that it impacted them deeply, but they weren't really the things that I was getting out of the text. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the method is so important because over and over again, you see the same method deployed each week as you meet with your discipleship group Mm -hmm. and it's you read the text and then you ask several types of questions of the text Mm -hmm. you know who what who is this story about Mm -hmm. what is the scene what is going on who are the major characters you know in the story and um one of the questions that's been most impactful for me is what does the story teach us about god Mm -hmm. what is this text what does this verse teach us about god Because I think growing up in church, and it's no knock against my church, and it was probably, 99% of it was probably me, Mm -hmm. but I had just completely removed God from the Bible. It was just a book of stories about a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I needed to dare to be a Daniel, or I needed to slay my giants like David. Mm -hmm. When you put God back in that story, it's not about Daniel, and it's not about David, Mm -hmm. and it's not about Rahab, and it's not about the characters that are so familiar to you. Mm -hmm. It is about what God is doing, the promise that he spoke from the very beginning and how he is working redemptively throughout human history to keep his promise. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that method is so important because you begin to ask, discover, we call them at CBT discovery questions. Mm -hmm. There's a whole write-up on the website about what those are and how those um, help you link and connect so that you're building Bible memory, you're understanding truths about God, Mm -hmm. um, and you also are gaining context for, you know, the, the story itself. So there's a lot uh, there's a lot wrapped up in that method for me that's so mm-hmm. important because after you meet with somebody there's 52 weeks of material excuse me materials in the W3 uh, the M3 and the S3 mm-hmm. there's 52 weeks of material you meet with someone for 52 weeks which usually takes me almost two years by the time you build in like a few breaks or yeah. bad weather or whatever mm-hmm. happens that day. Um, you do that for 52 weeks with someone and they start to pick up on the rhythm of yep. the material. And then the next time they go to church mm-hmm. and they hear a sermon on Daniel, they're like, oh, I know where to put that. That goes in the exile period, yes. you know, because Daniel is in uh, exile in mm-hmm. Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they start thinking critically about the text that's being taught to them. Mm-hmm. So they, they have a great building block. Um, and I would say it's obviously not the only way that's impactful to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also done several Bible studies that have made a tremendous impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, uh, the interview you all did with Dr. Richter, Mm-hmm. Um, and then discuss the book. And one of the things you brought out is it's a closet organization example mm-hmm. because there's lots of different ways to organize your closet. I mean, now the new way is by color. So it's like all the oh. blacks, the whites, and then it like fades from like cream to the reds, you know. So you this have is, this, this is all new information <laughs> picture. But when I was growing up, that's kind of the new way. Oh. But when I was growing up, it was like you put your summer clothes in and your winter clothes went in a different place or mm. on a higher shelf. And then it was, oh, okay, well, I want to put all my short sleeve shirts together, all my shorts together, mm. all my pants together, you know, so when I need something, I can just grab it. Mm. They're all very useful yep. um, ways to organize your closet. And um, there, there are lots of ways to read with understanding for your Bible. Um, doing it chronologically with the method that CBT deploys in their resources, which is really just a Socratic method mm-hmm. of asking questions of the text to draw out truth. Mm-hmm. It's just been a game changer in my life completely. Mm-hmm. And now I forgot your second question. <laughs> uh, no, no. So 
So that's that's how it's reproduced, what's providing that framework. So let's start talking about like why is it important or why is it so helpful mm-hmm. that the framework and the study and the teaching is all done chronologically. Yes. So um, growing up in church, I remember, you know, we would come to Sunday school and we would do a story about Noah and the ark. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, the animals were always at the forefront of that because that's what worked so well on the felt boards. Mm -hmm. And then um, we, the next week we would do a study about Jesus. Um, The next week we would talk about salvation. The next week we would talk about baptism. And then we go back to Adam and Eve. And um, it's, my son was big into Legos for Mm -hmm. a long time. And it's like, the giant Lego bins that you eventually accumulate if you get enough Legos, all of the kits fall apart and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they end up just in a big bin. It's like, you just dump it out on the floor and you say, build something. Yeah. And, um, it's difficult to do that because you Mm -hmm. have like 20 disembodied heads on the floor and Mm -hmm. six blue bricks and some clear bricks and one headlight. And you don't know what to do with that. Um, ordering, So when you have the guidebook, Mm -hmm. you know, of how to build the Lego set, you come up with this incredible sculpture of what you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. Um, You follow the instructions and you see the picture on the front and you can reproduce that. That's what studying the Bible chronologically has done for me personally. Mm -hmm. It has given me that roadmap. In CBT, we also talk about it like a puzzle piece, you know, that you have the straight edges and the corners as the structure which is the 14 error framework. And then you can take all these disparate pieces and just start putting them in the middle Mm -hmm. as they go together with the other things. But it provides context Mm -hmm. that isn't there when you study the Bible in bits and pieces, a book of the Bible, a person of the Bible, um, a topic in the Bible. But when you go through the Bible chronologically, especially if you're reading through your Bible chronologically, every single one of those topics come up. about marriage and about giftedness Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit, um, you know, different types of of sin and pride that come up and how God responds to those things. So studying the Bible chronologically gives you an order and a structure Mm -hmm. that I can't tell you how many people I've come across. They had no idea. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And my first exposure was actually at Sunday school Uh, when a friend of ours was teaching some curriculum called Firm Foundations that was Mm -hmm. based on a foreign mission model that they had taken to an unreached people group Mm -hmm. and um, started to tell the story of the Bible chronologically. And Mm -hmm. then other people heard about that, and they said, hey, we need that here. And so that material from Firm Foundation came out, and that was the first time I ever heard the story chronologically, and it absolutely blew my mind. Mm. My husband, um, at the time, who at the time was not uh, really attending church very often, or you know, had uh, grown up in a denomination that didn't encourage them to read the Bible, knew very little about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You've got to come to the Sunday school class." Mm-hmm. And he came one time, and everything changed at that point. Because when you go to the Bible and you realize that it is a resource, you know, it is our authority that can be read and understood. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it becomes the usefulness of it is overwhelming mm. because you know the truth that's contained in it. And if you can go to it, read it, ask a few questions, gain understanding, and then move chronologically to the next section, you you're building a story because like if I asked you, you have all boys though, right? Yeah. Even if you have all boys, I could say, Hey, Jake yep. What's the story of Cinderella? And you could probably tell me the bones of that story. Mm-hmm. But if I said, and as much as you, you know, adore your pastor, mm-hmm. if I said, tell me the three points from his sermon last week, you probably yep. couldn't, mm-hmm. maybe one or two. I don't yep. know. You're really smart, though. So um, maybe the, you could the, do all the three. The further you go back over the weeks, <laughs> the, the less it becomes. The, less, the, the more disconnected. Few, once you get more than a month out, it's like, man. I know. Uh, let me go check my notes. Let but the go. beauty of teaching the Bible as a story is it stays mm-hmm. intact. Mm-hmm. And, and it's memorable. You can recall it. And then as you recall it, you can begin to appropriate it in your life. Yeah. Because that's what happened in my own personal life is it went from something that I understood 
to something that I was living out. Because if that's who God was for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of those who are anchored in the past, Mm -hmm. I knew that that was going to be my future hope as well. Because the people who have been written about in the past, have they teach me things about how to walk with God by faith. Mm -hmm. And if I can um, take that, those truths and how God responded to them and live that out, and I can appropriate it in my own life Mm. in a way that's very real and powerful. I don't have to remember, I don't have to memorize like four points. And I don't, um, I know there was one very expensive consultant that was brought to our church one year that had a discipleship method based on shapes. So it's like you drew a triangle and the triangle had these three points and these three points were the three things that you were supposed to help people understand. Mm. Who can remember all that? <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's stories are memorable. They make an impact. And that's why studying the Bible chronologically for me has been such a huge mm-hmm. uh, game changer in my spiritual life in a way that I had no idea it was even I could organize my closet like that, yeah. you know. But it's um, been extremely helpful. Would it help reinforce some of what what you just said, just for our listeners? You know, sometimes people think that the Bible um, is in a specific order for a specific reason. And so I, I do just want to say, just in case someone uh, has this thought, maybe they've been told this, um, God never uh, commands us to order the Bible in a specific way. And there was no divine revelation to put the books in a specific order. Historically, they've always just been put uh, in an order that is most easily uh, understood, that culture at that time, both the Old and New Testament. So if you look at your Old Testament, you know, you got your historical uh, narratives, the first five books, the Bible written by Moses. You then have all your wisdom mm-hmm. literature. You have your Psalms, your Proverbs, and you have all your prophets. And, and that was just a good way to organize it. So... Uh, I just want to say, just for our listeners, putting the Bible in chronological order is not some crazy thing. Uh, we're not changing what the Bible says. We are simply uh, putting it in a way that's easy for the Western mind to understand because when we teach things and learn things, we usually do it in, in chronological order. That's how our brains are wired. And I would say it's not just Western either, right? Because we see examples in Scripture where they retold the story. Yep. Um, even Jesus himself on the road to Emmaus, beginning with Moses mm. and the prophets, began to unfold and unpack all that had been taught concerning him. Yes. So, you know, this was a story that Jesus knew and that Jesus used to help people understand why Jesus, why yeah. now, mm-hmm. you know, who is he? What has he come to do? Yeah. And so um, we see other examples of that with, mm. you know, uh, Moses and David and uh, Nehemiah. I mean, there's mm-hmm. examples. Stephen, yeah. uh, just before he was martyred, they they knew this story. Mm-hmm. But somehow, in the modern world, we have completely missed it. Mm-hmm. And we've decided to organize our closet by topic yep. or by book or by person. Mm-hmm. Um, or we've allowed uh, large publishing companies to determine the way that we teach the Bible. Yep. And it didn't make sense for me then. So why would I want to keep doing that? Yes. You know, like why would I reproduce something that didn't work in the first place and um, and then just keep perpetuating that thinking it's going to work for somebody else? Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, to your other point, just talking again about uh, the materials, uh, really what you're describing is uh, CBT's uh, materials and that method providing a framework to understand the Bible mm-hmm. uh, in 14 areas chronologically, and then providing a way to study, understand, and teach Scripture. You know, that is exactly what uh, they teach us to do in seminary. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes a few years, and you do all these different classes, but essentially the essence of what they're trying to do in seminary is they're trying to take someone, and they're trying to teach them how to study Right. And teach the Bible. So when they go to a church, they're able to study and teach the Bible so that when a pastor is trying to come up with a sermon on Sunday, he's not having to Google anything right. or find a slavery teacher. He can look at the Bible. Or and download he, sermons. Or, yes. You should <laughs> not re-teach. do that. We, we don't have time to chase that rabbit trail. That's but, a different yeah, episode. <laughs> yes. But, but there's the idea of you need to have a framework to understand what's happening in the Bible. 
Uh, and every single seminary has at least a few classes, you know, telling about just the, the history, building a timeline of the Bible. Uh, and then also, this is how you study. This is how you do research, how you communicate it. And what CBT does, I think, really well that a lot of people don't realize is by providing a framework to understand the Bible, to organize your closet, right. and then providing those probing questions, mm-hmm. that Socratic method to help you understand the Bible, what we're really doing, uh, at least attempting to do, is to get people uh, to be able to do what their pastor can do mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. The idea of like, hey, you don't need to wait for a celebrity teacher to tell you what that book Absolutely. means. Absolutely. You can... You, you don't need to wait, like yeah. pause over the summer with your like spiritual walk with the Lord mm-hmm. until the next Bible study comes out in the fall. Yeah. Like your spiritual life doesn't work on a school yeah. calendar, you know, and you don't have to be satisfied with living your life that way. Yeah, like you, you can read the Bible yourself and you can understand it yourself. And of course, we want to make sure there's other people walking with you to, uh, to affirm or yep. at times maybe even rebuke if you if you've yeah, gone that's off right. track. but but there is that idea of like you know we're we're not saying God has revealed something to us and we want to give it to others it's we're saying God has a method for every believer to be able to read his word and understand it absolutely and, hey and guess what what i don't have a seminary degree I know that's it, that's it. but you're right. No, no, but I should I, point that you out. Know, you're right. I think that's that's another thing that is so powerful about this ministry and what I have just learned over the past mm-hmm. almost twenty years now, uh, being around it is, you know, I'm I'm a regular average person. Um, I'm not like the smartest person you'll ever meet in the entire world. I don't have patents. Mm-hmm. you know, in my name. I don't, I don't have theories that are named after me, but, um, but with hard work and intentionality, mm. I have learned the story of the Bible yeah. and I can tell it from beginning to end, the short version, the long version. Yeah. I can give you details. I can leave them out. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, it's an understanding. Once you grasp hold of the structure, you can put as much information in there. I, I, Maybe this is an old way to explain it, but kind of like a, an accordion file. You know, mm-hmm. it can get as big or like mm-hmm. luggage now that you can unzip like a whole extra extension yeah. on it. You know, it can get as big and detailed as you want. Or I can be standing in line at Target yeah. and share the gospel with somebody in just a couple of minutes using yep. the story of the Bible. Yeah, because you know? it's it's not a script, no. and it's not a tract, it's not anything memorized. It no. is, and it's so have, ingrained in me now yeah. that it's just the way that I think. It's the filter that's been built, mm-hmm. um, that everything else comes into my mm-hmm. mind um, and settles in my heart through. And it's also what goes out of my mouth. Yes. Um, because when I know and understand truth, I speak out of that truth. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was um, in college, I was doing stuff that wasn't helping me. Mm-hmm. I was filling my cup with all different kinds of junk. And then when my friends would come to me needing advice or something, I would offer that same junk to them. I mean, that's not helping anybody, yeah. you know? So I think there's um, there's so much value in it. And um, I just want to encourage people that you don't have to have a seminary degree mm-hmm. uh, to understand the story of the Bible. This isn't some secret Gnostic knowledge mm-hmm. that is trapped in the seminaries of yeah. the United States or the world and can't be known by regular people. And um, every now and then I have this vision of what would it be like for a pastor if their congregation was biblically literate, mm-hmm. knew and understood the Bible as a story, and then were they were able to appropriate those truths and live them out. Yeah. Like, you could actually have a day off, like a whole day, because people would be able to think That's through and dream. understand <laughs> things for themselves, yeah. you know? And, of course, there's need for pastors and shepherds and mm-hmm. teachers, and absolutely, but they just come along and they edify what's already being done mm-hmm. instead of having to construct yeah. it from the bottom up. And, and, you know, even going into that um, that picture of a shepherd, um, 
you know, that's not really how most churches uh, operate nowadays. And what I mean is when a shepherd is, is guiding his flock, um, supposed to be leading them, but they are supposed to be walking on their own power Alongside forward. Them. And, and the shepherd's <laughs> supposed to, if anyone gets off track, to, to get them back in, right. supposed to beat off the wolves to protect That's them, right. but they're all supposed to be walking together. Oftentimes at church, though, it, it seems like it's more like um, uh, the specific ministers or, or spiritual leaders in that church are having to like grab individual sheep and, carry. And, yeah, and drag them yes. along saying, you will Absolutely. learn about the Bible. And, and then what does that do to the pastor? Yeah. It makes them weary, you know? It burns but, them out. But what if we were able to walk alongside our pastors, you know, yeah. and and call upon them for counsel in just those really large things? And it's not just every yeah. single small thing. I think, um, you know, when I first got to know Iva and we became good friends through this discipleship. And of course mm-hmm. you share a lot of things in, in the discipleship groups that draw you close in relationship. One of the healthiest things that she did for me mm-hmm. was end the group. Yeah. We were still friends. It did not affect our, she didn't end our friendship, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it was okay. This is the time that I've had with you. I've invested in you everything that I know to teach you. I have nothing new to say. Mm-hmm. Now go and invest that in another person. I'll be here if you need me. Yeah. And o- over time, you know, I, that was so healthy because it didn't allow me to form a dependence upon her. Like mm-hmm. she wasn't my crutch. Yep. Now I would go to her with questions all the time. Mm-hmm. But my life, my spiritual life wasn't wrapped up in her spiritual life. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot of health in that because it causes you to be able to think for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's the construct that you're going to use in order to think about the circumstances of your life or make decisions? Mm -hmm. And she invested in me a biblical construct. And so I was able to take that forward and use it to begin to appropriate in my own life. And then God was just, I just, he was at work in my life to Mm -hmm. do those things that I had no idea I could do on my own, you know? All right. So um, one thing that I want to make sure that we touch on, though, is, you know, you're you're 28 and uh, you aren't you aren't taking your spiritual walk seriously. Fast forward a few decades later and you are on the board of CBT. (laughs) You have led countless groups. You know the full story of the Bible. But but I want to make sure that people understand that it's not just that your knowledge of Scripture grew, and that's it. Can you go into any detail about how did your life change mm-hmm. um, once you started seriously trying to be a, a disciple who, who makes disciples? How did it change your relationships? How did it change how you viewed God? How did it change how you uh, ministered others? How did it change how you dealt with loss? Mm-hmm. Like that, that mindset, because I think a lot of people want to know how to get to that place of spiritual maturity. And um, so as you've matured uh, over the years, can you just say, you know, it's just a testimony of this is what the Spirit has done in my life um, as I've been pursuing uh, His truth. I'm still maturing, I hope. Um, So I don't think I have (laughs) the final answer on this. Um, You mean you're not at Jesus level yet? No, no, no. So I think the way I would answer that question is, I'll just give you an example. Uh, When I was in my Mm -hmm. mid-20s, my husband went through job loss. And he was, uh, he had lost his job through a consolidation, you know, process of, um, you know, plants or whatever that he was working at the same time. I mean, at that time. Um, Mm. And it was so hard. I had uh, left my corporate life to stay home with my children. Mm -hmm. Um, When I did that, half of our income was knocked out. I mean, literally, I don't know how we did that, except that just God just gave us the little bit that we needed in order to make whatever work. Mm -hmm. Um, But going through that job loss was so hard because Mm -hmm. it was so scary. You just... You feel like your whole, you're so vulnerable, you know, yeah. it's what if and how are mm-hmm. we going to do this and how are we going to pay that bill? Um, and I went through that period of time just saying to myself, like mm-hmm. a, it was like a mantra, Yeah, I need to have more faith. I need to have more faith. You know, that's how I used God was in the crisis moment yeah. of like rubbing the lamp and like, mm-hmm. God, we need a job. Zap any, me with some any faith. Any job yeah, is yeah. fine. You know, we don't care which one. 
Um, so uh, I just used it like a mantra. I mean, yep. where's that verse on worry? Mm-hmm. You know, um, somebody pray for me. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to say. Give me a verse to memorize. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was like this ritualistic. I mean, it was really very pagan in nature. It just was... You know, I was looking to the right place, but I wasn't appropriate appropriating it maybe in a way that was the most peaceful to me, most comforting yeah. and most honoring to the Lord. Um, and so, you know, fast forward uh, through COVID, our family has gone through some really extreme situations. Mm-hmm. Um, God has given me the ability to have some hindsight on that over the past couple of years as our family has really struggled mm-hmm. uh, for different reasons. But the way that I handled it this time, mm-hmm. Pat, you know, compared to the past, um, it reminds me of the story of Peter in the jail between, you know, the guardsmen with the guards outside. Mm-hmm. What was Peter doing? He was sleeping. Why? He was not concerned. Mm-hmm. God had made promises about him being an old man. (laughs) And so he was not worried about that. Understanding God's promises, not from a book that says God's promises for your life, but understanding God's promises in the context of the greater story Mm -hmm. helped remind me that God knew exactly where I was. Mm -hmm. God knew exactly what was going on with our family. I was not forgotten by him. Mm -hmm. He was not away at lunch or Mm -hmm. out to the doctor or anything like that, Um, but that he knew intimately what was going on. And when when we needed his provision, it was waiting on us. Mm. Um, That I read a book called The Red Sea Rules, which is just a really small little booklet, just in the midst of that time, and one of those, um, one of the ideas conveyed in the book is just that whatever your future is, mm-hmm. even if it's standing with your toes in a river and the enemy pursuing you and there's water in front of you, mm-hmm. that God will meet you in that place of provision that he has for you. So you don't have to be afraid of your future mm-hmm. because he is going to be there yeah. with you. Um, and just... I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I knew and understood the Bible mm-hmm. um, in terms of the story, in terms of who God was and who his character is, mm-hmm. um, how he wants to be a part of our life. I just understood it in a way going through difficulty this time that mm-hmm. whereas before it was like my lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah. Um. So it's so hard to put into words. I don't really know how to say no, or I, if that's making sense at no, all. I thought I thought you described it perfectly. It, there's this idea when when people go through crisis, um, where we'll just repeat the same things over and over and pretend that it does something. You know. Right. So someone, let's say someone is having a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes our response is, "Well, you should you should just trust in God." Yeah. And it's like. Okay, but how do you do that? You you just trust. You just yeah. trust. Or someone might be. I, I see it so often. Oh, this is ooh, this this gets me a little bit. <laughs> see so often. You know, people might be going through depression or right. lost or grief. And what's our response? Well, you you need to be joyful. You need to just have joy. You need to find oh. joy. Be joyful. Yeah. And, and it's like okay, but but yeah. how do I do that? I know. And so I think really that that truth you're hitting on is there's a difference between knowing you're supposed to trust in the Lord mm-hmm. and knowing how God has revealed himself in scripture, which solidifies in you this idea of, I know that I can trust in the Lord. That's right. Because I know how he has acted throughout history. And believing that God's not holding out on us for some reason. I mean, it's the way that I hope that my children Mm -hmm. um, interact with me. I mean, my great love for them and desire to see them do well in life um, and to live lives that are honoring and pleasing to the Lord. So if I weigh in on a circumstance in their life, Mm -hmm. I would want them to think, you know, my mom loves me and trusts me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she wants good for me. She's a goodwilled person toward me. So I need to take into counsel what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And that's all God wants from us too. You know, he is our loving father who has done nothing but good for us. He's Mm -hmm. not withholding good things from me. But sometimes that good comes in kind of ugly packages that we don't yep. really want to open. Mm-hmm. But um, but those treasures that are inside carry us forward 
and he's building on things. You know, that time in my life helped build a foundation for things that I'm going on that are going on later in my life. So I don't have to relearn that, you know, the Bible isn't a magical incantation that you just like poof and everything's okay. And God's not there to um, make me happy. Yeah. But he is there with me in the hard times and is drawn to me in my suffering and brokenness mm. um, in a way that no one else is, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, uh, God's not a genie in lamp. He's not Santa Claus. He's mm-hmm. he, the big man upstairs yes. or the guy who's bowling when it's yeah. raining, you know. Yeah. It's crazy some of the stuff we've made up to try and explain who God is. Oh, yeah. It's just and that's that, not who he is at all. That oversimplified. Yeah, but here's a secret. If you want to know who God is, you have to read the Bible. Because that's where God reveals himself. It's not in a movie or an article or uh, anything else. God reveals himself to us in the Bible because he wants to be known. Yeah. In fact, yesterday, well... uh Yesterday for us, so it was it was on a Wednesday. We filmed these on Thursdays, in case uh, anyone's just curious. Uh, but you know, we, we're we're I was talking to uh, my students about how do you know who God is, and I said, well, how does God choose to re- reveal Himself? How does God describe Himself in His Word? And of course, you got a lot of answers of people like just listing off quanti- uh, qualities of God, right. like you'd see in like a theological text. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's no point in Scripture where God actually does that. And he's like, well, here's my six and eight qualities. And this is, <laughs> that's just not, he described himself as, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when you see throughout Bible people describe who God is, they recall and they talk about those stories. This is the God that led you out of Egypt. Right. This is the God uh, that, that put David on the throne. Like, that is how uh, God describes himself, and that's mm-hmm. how his word does. So if, if you don't know those stories, right, you can't really fully understand mm-hmm. who who God is. And, and the deeper you go in those stories, year after year, as you grow in your faith, uh, we have a clear picture of who yeah. God is. And like you said, he's not he's not a genie. He's not Santa Claus. Yeah. That's, that's just not how it works. But that does bring up a, a really good point that I want us to try and segue to. This is one of my favorite things. I love asking people who have read through the Bible uh, several times chronologically who've like, um, I don't want to say mastered, but have uh, a deep understanding of like this CBT methodology of understanding right. Scripture. What are just some of the things? Uh, and you can list just one in-depth example. You can list a bunch of things. What are some of the things where you didn't know, like, that you didn't know until you read through the Bible? I mean, like, you're you're reading through the Bible, you're doing CBT, and you're like, I did not know that was in there. Right. Uh, I, you know, one of the big things for me, and I feel like you're going to have to put, like, a black bar across my face so I can have, remain anonymous, maybe, mm-hmm. like, muffle my voice or something. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the church... And even making that profession of faith as a young person, as a, you know, nine-year-old, um, and then even at 28, mm-hmm. having a great desire to read God's Word and to walk with God by faith, mm-hmm. I never could explain redemption in a way mm-hmm. that was succinct and understandable, yeah. that where it settled it in my heart. Because, you know, I think everybody has different things that they struggle with. Um, so some struggle with assurance of salvation. I never struggled with feeling like, you know, my salvation was in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think, I and I still have this thought a lot, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of one of those tools that the enemy uses to get me distracted and off track. Mm-hmm. Hey, Christy, what if you're putting all of your eggs in the wrong basket? Mm-hmm. I have that thought. Often, I mean, yeah. it just comes from nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's just the enemy saying, listen to me, you know, mm-hmm. what if you're putting all your eggs in the wrong basket? What yeah. if none of this stuff is true? Yeah. And I, and it's, so for me, having that understanding of who God is because he stopped his created work and he began his redemptive work mm-hmm. in Genesis 3 and he has carried it forward, and he's still not finished yet. Yeah. Um, I heard a sermon the other day. <clears throat> one of the things, the one thing that I remember from the sermon, <laughs> um, which it was a great sermon. It was in Hebrews 11. But he said, our future hope is anchored to the past. Yeah. And so we have not only that idea of what God has done in the past, but we have 
um, the stories from the past, the yeah. things that were written before were written to teach us so that yeah. we could be encouraged and comforted by scripture, having mm. hope yeah. in this present life and in the future yeah. um, as well. So understanding from the very beginning that God was at work to offer the innocent blood of the animal on behalf of the guilt of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. and then Adam and Eve accept that atonement, that covering, by mm-hmm. taking the um, skins from God. They, he puts that promise and that picture into mm-hmm. place. And then if you are looking for it, you see it over and over and yeah. over and over again. And it just settled something in my heart that it was like, I'm done with that. Yeah. You know, I... I can explain. It doesn't. I don't have to start with Jesus mm-hmm. to explain the gospel. Um, I don't have to uh, memorize a track. Yeah. Um, I don't have to, um, you know, have these four verses down verbatim. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, a, a. It wasn't a program. Yeah. It was how I was programmed. Mm-hmm. You know, I just knew and understood something in the Bible about redemption that nobody had ever explained to me before. And I didn't have to wonder. You began to understand redemption the way that God chose to reveal redemption. Exactly. Through his word, not through someone else trying to summarize it or explain it or use shapes of this is a triangle. And this is where it's just that this is how God explains redemption. Right. Maybe that's the best way to learn redemption. Absolutely. And you know, I think when I was 28, I did Bible studies and stuff for 10 plus, probably almost 10 years Mm -hmm. before I ever met, no, maybe like five years before I met Iva. Mm -hmm. How crazy is it that you can go five years or 35 years Mm -hmm. of your life having grown up in the church and you can't really truly understand what God is at work doing in the world you know, but yet you have a desire to. Mm-hmm. It just was never explained to me until I, I mean, that was a phrase in our discipleship group, and it still is in the ones that I do today that is repeated over and over and mm-hmm. over again. But if you can solidify that thread of redemption in um, in your own life through the stories yep. chronologically in the Bible, it settles a lot of things for you mm-hmm. because you realize who God is, what he is yep. at work doing, his love for us, mm-hmm. how that has always been his plan, yeah. you know? And so we don't have to wonder whose hands we're in, in the present because yeah. we know in, this is how he's acted in the past. And that's the same God that in the way that he'll act yep. for me today. Well, you know, I think it is, um, I think it's just Providence actually that you are talking about redemption for, for that example, because, uh, yesterday as, as I'm kind of presenting this, uh, new vision uh, for this youth group and introducing some of these CBT methods, I just asked them a question uh, just to kind of test general Bible knowledge. And it was, okay, um, could people get saved in the Old Testament? Yes, and big if, question. And, Tons and, of bad dating. And, and if so, <laughs> and if so, how does that work? Right. And there's a lot of different answers. Yes. Um, but no one really, really knew. Like, it was all just guesses. And I think the problem is, when we try to teach something like redemption, what do we usually do? Well, we usually go straight to Jesus. Right. And here's the problem with that. When God describes redemption, even in the work of Christ, um, it is described through the lens of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So all the things that we use to describe how redemption works in Jesus are actually references to the Old Testament. So if we don't know the Old Testament, we won't get the references. Right. And, and we do it all the time without realizing it. We're like, well, you know, I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Right. What, what is no, the blood yeah, of the Lamb? Blood is, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, well, it's, 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 but no, it's fine. It's like we get saved by the blood of the Lamb. And, and we also, we take the Lord's Supper to remind it. So we eat a cracker and we say it's his body and we drink some grape juice and we say right. it's his blood. And it's like, uh, Okay, but why do we do that? Because because we been saved by Jesus. Yeah, but how? Because he died. Okay, but like, how does it actually work? Well, it just it just does. Yes. And so I if, push the button on the remote, and the TV comes on. I don't know how that works either. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. And so, but then if if someone's asking, like, yeah, but how does it work? I don't understand. Because if if Jesus dying on the cross is is what allows redemption to happen, then does that mean that everyone before in the Old Testament, does that mean like 
does that mean they're all in hell? Does that mean that like once Jesus was crucified, like he he broke into hell and like freed them and whatever? Right. There's there's so many different explanations, um, but you have God describing redemption starting at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So just for our listeners, like if you're wondering how come it said that we're saved by the blood of the Lamb, well, if, if you go all the way back mm-hmm. uh, to the Old Testament, and like you said, it's referenced throughout the entire Old Testament, one very clear picture uh, is the actual Passover lamb. Right. As the Israelites were being freed from Egypt, you have them killing an actual lamb, mm-hmm. painting the blood on the doorpost, mm-hmm. and partaking of the Passover feast. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a spirit of, uh, or an angel of death and judgment come from the Lord, uh, strike Egypt. But if there was blood on the doorpost of mm-hmm. the house, uh, you would pass over that house. That's right. Because death had already come death there. And so come. literally they were saved from death by the blood of the lamb right. on that doorpost. That was the sign. And so when we're saved by the blood of the lamb, it's that exact same picture. But if, right. if, you're, if you don't know those stories and know the details, going all the way back to Adam mm-hmm. and Eve with God making that making that sacrifice, right. killing animals, covering uh, Adam and Eve with uh, with these new clothes made from the skin mm-hmm. of the animals, and promising the Messiah. Right. If, if you don't have all those benchmarks, the person and, and character of Jesus is never going to be really fully revealed to you. And so... Uh, I, and it I, just doesn't... It leaves things unsettled in your spirit yeah. because it goes back to... The magical incantation. Yes. You know, I'm saved by the blood of the lamb, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and it makes it all that much more um, amazing when John the Baptist says, Behold, the, the lamb, lamb of God, you know, I mean, Who takes away the sins that's of the world. Right. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, the people that should know should know. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know, <laughs> yes. you know. Um, if so you know, you know, you that's know. That's <laughs> right. So it's just, it does, knowing the Old Testament, and I've, people don't have, I, there's a lot of good teaching out there on the New Testament. Pastors tend to stay in the New Testament, mm-hmm. but people do not know their Old Testament. Yeah. They're a little bit afraid of it. And I think one of the reasons why is what you just said. And um, just that people in the Old Testament were saved a different way. They weren't. They were always saved by faith. Mm-hmm. It was faith in what God had said, mm-hmm. the promise that he had made, that this is the way that you're to come to me. Yep. I mean, what did that poor little lamb do on Passover to deserve <laughs> to die? Nothing, you know, He, but yep. it was a substitute, mm-hmm. a substitutionary sacrifice on behalf of their guilt that God accepted yep. until the ultimate once and for all substitute came and bore all the sins for all time. That's right. Past, present, future, mm-hmm. so that we might be reconciled to God. So it just settles things it does. Uh, in a way that other studies and teaching have not um, for me. So, but I, like I said, I'm a simple person. Stories make sense to me. So this, yeah. this makes a lot of sense. But then you can go back and layer, uh, for example, like Dr. Richter's. Uh, covenant theology Mm -hmm. you go back and layer that on top of your chronological understanding of the bible and it again takes on a whole new meaning and gives you even greater understanding every time you study the bible you learn something you did not you're never going to reach a level where like you've mastered you're like i don't need to study anymore I'm, i'm done but um one last thing uh just as we as we start to close out uh that i just want to throw out there and and it's this um, I just want to say, you know, we, we emphasize the Old Testament a lot. We talk about studying the Old Testament a lot. And if you ever read through the entire Bible, you realize the majority of the Bible is the Old Testament. Absolutely. But the, the reason why we're doing this, the reason why we're emphasizing this is because when Jesus explained and revealed himself to his disciples before he ascended, it said that he took them through um, the, the books of the books of the law of Moses, uh, the Psalms, it's all the wisdom literature mm-hmm. and all the prophets. That is the old Testament. So perhaps this is, this is my theory I'm throwing out. I'm just, <laughs> if you're listening, like focus in, okay, maybe the best way to understand who God is, is by learning about God the way he chooses to teach us. Absolutely. Maybe the best book to study, to learn the Bible is simply the Bible. 
And maybe the best way to learn who Jesus is is to explain his person, starting with the books of the law of Moses. Absolutely. Go into the Psalms and then to the prophets, because that's how Jesus chose to do it. Maybe Jesus is smarter than all of us celebrity teachers. Maybe. Who knew? <laughs> if only we could there. appropriate that. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, just, uh, just in closing, is there any last thing that you just want to throw out there, you want to mention, you want to... Uh, you want to give to people. This is your last statement to just throw it out there and then it'll be on the internet forever. (laughs) No pressure. Read the Bible. That is so important. Books about the Bible are useful. Commentators are useful. Pastors and teachers are absolutely vital to uh, fellowship and your Christian walk. Mm -hmm. But read the Bible. If If you only have 15 minutes a day, to read something, read the Bible. That is the most important thing you will ever read in your entire life. It is where God reveals himself to us as a God who wants to be known, who loves us, and is working redemptively throughout history Mm -hmm. to reconcile us to him. So that's my plug. Read the Bible, people. There we go. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for watching this episode of CBD Talks. I'm Jake. I'm Christy. See you next week.